I'm Jalen Rose. You're now listening to the first episode of the Grantland Basketball Hour. Look for episode number two to air on ESPN November 13th. And this ball game is over. The Spurs defeat the Miami Heat. It's time to celebrate San Antonio. The San Antonio Spurs are the world champions. The Spurs have captured their fifth NBA championship. And freeze! So much can happen in four months. MJ signed Lance, kid jumped to Milwaukee, and Clipper fans finally found a competent owner. You're right, too soon to say. We lost Paul George for the season, but at least we got Rose and Kobe back. Chicago signed Powell, Dallas landed the two Chandlers, and OKC's big move was Anthony Morrow. No wonder the KD to DC rumors heated up. Meanwhile, the Hawks became our new craziest franchise. Boogie Cousins became an American hero, and Rondo became the first person under 78 to hurt himself falling in the shower. Oh, and Miami is looking at a lot of these crowds, because LeBron finally went back to Cleveland. Nobody was happier than the lady who sings, I'm coming home. That's not true. Cavs fans were happier. For once, God didn't hate Cleveland. But why didn't LeBron mention Wiggins and Bennett in his SI letter? Where's Jim Ross? Wait a second. What's that? Good God! That's Kevin Love's music! My God! LeBron James and Kevin Love are coming to Cleveland! So now we have a new NBA title favorite, and just like always, everyone is overlooking the Spurs. Again. What a perfect time to launch Grantland's new NBA show. Man, I wish we could rent the rights to Round Ball Rock from John Tesh. Wait, what? Now, the Grantland Basketball Hour. Welcome to Grantland's first ever TV show. We did it, Jalen. Gotta get a people what they want. I'm Bill Simmons. He's the mogul. Jalen Rose, the budding mogul. Jeff Van Gundy, you're our first guest ever. You'll always have this. I will take this to my grave. <laughs> Where does this rank with the 99 finals, above or below? Just right below. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Who's more dangerous, Jalen or Spreewell? Oh, Spreewell was calm. Absolutely. Jalen was always starting fights with <laughs> Spreewell. Uh, yeah, and carrying a, a lethal weapon. <laughs> so we're going to do uh, the most intriguing people of this NBA season not named LeBron. This is going to be the first preview show that did not mention LeBron James. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook first. We always kind of wanted to know what would happen if Russell Westbrook was in charge of his own team. Durant breaks his foot, probably out six to eight weeks. Is he an MVP candidate for you? Well, I think he is because he's... You know, what you need to be an MVP is you need opportunity. And I think his opportunities will increase. I think his numbers will be great. And I think they'll be 500 or better uh, after that stretch of time. So I think he'll be well positioned. Uh, I, I really like him. And I love how they've handled Westbrook in that they embrace who he is as a player instead of complaining incessantly about what he's not. We all love Westbrook on this set. I think we're three for three. And that's the intrigue when you have a point guard that plays with an MVP that's a four-time scoring champion. People don't really follow the game intimately think, why is he taking as many, if not more, shots than Kevin Durant? Their team needs him to score. He's an all-NBA performer. He's an all-star. He plays as hard as any player in his league. You need that guy to continue to be aggressive. But at the same time, he's going to enjoy taking those extra shots. He might get to do we, 35 field goals in a game, 36. It's possible. It's in play. Who else is on that team? 
But I think he'll find the right balance. And I don't think you go into a game as a guard saying, I've got to get X number of shots. The defense will dictate that. But he's going to be attacking. And one thing I think that's overlooked about him is just how durable he has been. This is a guy that can play 38 to 40 minutes in a night. And I think his energy and his passion and his enthusiasm plus his talent, they'll be 500 or better when Durant comes back. And I'm always amazed by how hard he plays. I I would say he plays harder minute by minute than any guy in the league. But I'm still a little worried about him with these extra shots. Jalen, what's our our worst-case scenario here? So the Scarface ca- potential situation? Yeah. Tony Montana? Yeah, like, say hello to my little friend <laughs> type Uh-oh. of thing. Oh, no. <laughs> like, Fire the basketball. Like the Papa shot. He's going to have the opportunities. And, again, he plays with the passion. He plays with the rage. That's why I affectionately call him Furious Styles. Yep. But that's not really who he is. He's a humble person. But when you see him out on the basketball court, he's competing like everyone else. Jalen loves that he's engaged to his high school sweetheart. <laughs> now, if you love that so much, why aren't you engaged to your high school sweetheart? Don't get fired, Bill. <laughs> the show just started. <laughs> well, I love Westbrook. I'm a big defender of his. And I think this is perfect. We get to see what he's going to do with his own team for a month. And then it'll go back to the Westbrook Durant thing. Derek Rose. Now, here's somebody that... Two and a half years ago, I think my daughter was about to celebrate her seventh birthday. Derrick Rose was the MVP of the league, heading into the playoffs. Two and a half years later, we haven't seen that guy play basketball. Are you convinced he can be 85% of what he can be? I am convinced. I saw him in Chicago. I saw him in Madrid. The best thing that happened for a summer is that he got a chance to play with FIBA, so he's not starting fresh when training camp begins. 30 points, 24 minutes versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's back, and he's already mentioned that this is the best team that he's played with. They're going to be an animal down low. Noah was first-team All-NBA. Ab Powell Gasol averaged 17 last year. Todd Gibson gives you toughness. Miritich, and they probably start Doug McDermott. They drafted well. I really like that Chicago Bulls team. Coached by your friend. Yeah. Try to be objective. Just try. <laughs> no, there's no objective. Well, you don't have to be objective because he's as good as anyone at his job in the league, Tom Thibodeau is. I mean, he does his job. He maxes what they have. I'm concerned with this notion that Rose is back. I think it. you're out two and a half years. I don't think uh, you're going to have the same habits that you had when you were the MVP. I think that takes time. I don't think he should be discouraged when he has up and down moments early in the mm. year. And I think they have to keep plugging away. And I think for them to be a championship team, they're going to have to address their starting two and three. They're going to have to get Butler starting at one position and get a, a real starter at the other. I think Dunleavy's better coming off the bench, and so too do I think McDermott is as well. My concern with Rose is I thought the thing that made him special, it actually reminds me a little bit of Robert Griffin III, where there's a fearlessness and an athleticism to him. That was part of who he was, and that was the thing I wanted to watch, and that was the thing that was so tough to prepare for. Now you've had surgeries on both knees. I don't know if he can be as fearless as he was. I, I just felt like just going to these games in person, Rose, Westbrook, LeBron, like the athleticism of these guys just stood out. And if he's going to be this guy who's not as athletic anymore and who picks his spots and who's taking threes, is that, that's not who he is, Jalen. That's what made this summer so important, getting a chance to play against some of the basket, best basketball players from across the world, yet practicing against his teammates on a daily basis. Now all of a sudden he's confident. He's not coming into training camp wondering if he can do it. He was exploding up and down the floor. He was playing above the rim. He has his floater back. I think he's ready to have an, an all-star season. Well, he had a, Remember, he had that one good game, but previous to that, he was not 
playing particularly well. Right. And remember last year, the first 10 games that he played before he, he took the second knee injury, he had not played well. And again, I think people are expecting too much. The competition is so great in the NBA, particularly at that position. I think athletically he's back. I'm not sure right now if he's ready on an every night basis to be able to handle minutes. And I think you'll see they're going to hold his minutes down. Yeah. And that's also going to be a difficult adjustment for a guy who's used to playing 35, 36 minutes a game. And that adjustment happens for the youngest MVP in league history. Now to prove he's back, is that points per game? Is that wins and losses? Is that minutes every well, night? We hope it's wins and That's losses. That's the juggling act you're talking about he's going to have to have early. Right, and I think it's wins and losses. And I think too often in today's NBA, with all the fantasy out there, we forget that's why they play the game, and that's how they should be judged. And also a much better team than he had three years ago. More offensive weapons. I don't think they need his offense like they had the last time. Somebody whose team, whose team does need his offense, Dwayne Wade. Now, Jeff, you coached Patrick Ewing, tail into his prime, was kind of an all-star, and then he was like kind of a legacy star, and then he was past his prime. Are we at that point with Dwayne Wade? Uh, no, and, but, but you make a, a really good point in that I think the most difficult coaching there is, Bill Walsh, the great football coach, said this, is coaching the aging star in decline. Doug Collins used to tell us this all the time it, last it year. Is, it is brutal because they see themselves like they once were versus what they are now, and that's, to me, what... Tim Duncan has done so well. He's graced. He's gracefully passed the baton on to Parker and Ginobili, more pick and roll, up tempo, while still maintaining his greatness as a player. And I think that's hard to do. Um, but Wade, when the only thing that's diminished to me about Wade is his health. If you look at his numbers from last year, the efficiency is still there. He can still put up points. But, but he was going against the other team's number two defender the whole time. I mean, that was a pretty cushy situation for him. Right? He's still averaging, tw- I mean, like when the guy's shooting 50-plus percent as a guard in this league, yeah. I have no doubts that he's going to play well. What I do, I, I just wonder how many games can he play, and they can't have this extended period off. He was 28 last year, Jay. Right. Yeah, health is going to be an issue for Dwayne Wade. He's had a few different phases in his career. It was the young and fearless Dwayne Wade driving to the basket, getting a couple of ferocious dunks, getting blocks, getting steals. Getting to the free throw line 12 times a game. Yes, indeed, and being a finals MVP. Then there was a period like flash versus flashes where you have LeBron, you can miss 28 games his final year. Well, the first game he played 76 games when LeBron James was there because LeBron was durable. He's at practice every day. He's playing every night. He's talking to the media after the game. Now that responsibility falls back on Wade. If he's going to miss a lot of games, that team is going to be in position to struggle. See, I, don't, I think everyone's overlooking the fact that he's going to enjoy this new phase. Oh, you're in predicting Miami. a rejuvenation season. No question. Listen, I think what he went through the last four years, the winning, was he, he loved it, but I think it took great sacrifice. I think he will... From an ego standpoint. No, I mean, this is a guy who put on one of the greatest performance in final history against Dallas, right? Yep. And to take a step back and become, you know, where it was Wade County before, and then you're clearly the number two guy to LeBron James. I think Dwayne Wade, every, he'll muster everything he has to have one special year. Well, what's interesting is he's already on the Mount Rushmore for two guards right now. His career could end tomorrow, and he's the fourth best two guard ever. Oh, look at this. We have a fancy graphic. MJ. Time he went against him. He took a ring from you, Jeff. me. <laughs> Kobe. The remix, baby. That's, Jerry, that's very young Jerry West. And, the logo. Uh, 
and Dwayne Wade. And then, oh no, Jalen, what'd you do? Yeah! Oh my God. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> but I think whatever happens with Wade, his place in history is secure. I'm fascinated to see how he does this. Another thing that's fascinating to me, we talk about history. Chris Paul, year 10 for him, never made round three of, of the playoffs. Does this matter? I hear a lot about this being Clipper Nation. I see they have a new owner, a fellow Michigander, $2 billion for the team. Doc Rivers, $50 million deal. CP3, Blake, max contracts. They're all in. And I do think this is an opportunity for the Clippers to capitalize on that. CP was the league leader in assists, the league leader in steals, one of the best overall players and leaders we have in the game. I do think this is an opportunity for him to get there. Yeah, I think they're going to win it this year. Uh, I really do. I think they're that You think they're going to win the title? Yes, I do. You're on my corner. I'm picking a Cavs-Clippers finals. Okay. So now we're together. This is good luck or bad luck? Uh, It's it's ultimate doom now, obviously. But I want to say this. I I really like them, but it just shows you how hard it is to win in this league. Chris Paul is so great, and that's why uh, I don't label guys champions or not just if they win a championship. There should be different levels. Like when Jordan and Pippen lead you to a championship – Luke Longley should not be known as a champion <laughs> uh, in the same vein as those guys. Like, I'll never be convinced that Patrick Ewing isn't a champion just because he wasn't able to scale Jordan and Pippen. They had better teams. He did everything in his power. I say so the being same, in the conversation matters to you. Right, and, yeah. and I would say Chris Paul has done the same thing. There's nothing when I watch him play that says he could have done more. Uh, he had some bad plays last year in Game Five, right? And every he blew player, Game Five. He yeah, blew every, the last minute. Listen, everybody has those moments, but I'm saying overall, he's in he's in position, and it gets late early. He's in year ten. Yeah, it's hard to get there. And how about him at his size defending Kevin Durant late in basketball games? This guy's as tough to move as a fire hydrant. Like he defended him. They won the game. Kevin Durant leads the league in scoring, and he's 6'11". That just shows how competitive he is. So nine years, four first-team All-NBAs, four top-five MVP finishes. Uh, I think he's like third all-time in assists, third all-time in steals, sixth all-time in PER. But unfortunately, he's still standing outside the no-ring saloon, Jalen. Yeah, and that's yeah, not a place could, this, you want to be. This is a fancy gra- oh, fancy graphic time. <laughs> There's Chris, Chris Paul. Don't go, Chris, don't go, no! Oh, no! Hey, Carl Malone's in there. He's having you a can't drink. have him in a Lakers jersey. <laughs> well, we were, oh, Barkley, Barkley's having a drink. John Stockton's sitting there. The Iceman, George Gervin. Look at Ice his arms. Iceman looks great. Oh, James. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Give me that wine, Charles. Take that double. <laughs> but that's the thing. And unfortunately, you look at somebody like John Elway, who wins the Super Bowl his last two years for Denver. The narrative of his career is totally different. And there's Dan Marino, who is just as good as him, still gets brought up. You know, some, and, and I think, Jalen, you recognize this. A lot of times, it's, it's not just you. It's who you play with and who you play against. <laughs> unfortunately, like a Ewing, he was, he was playing against Jordan. Guess what? No one else was beating him either in that stretch of time. Right. You know, and uh, so I think, I, I just think it's more complex when you're analyzing players than just did he win, win a ring or not. Um, there's a lot of guys who have ridden the coattails of great players to championships that weren't, quote, champions. And those coattails like Russell, like Magic and Kareem, like Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, 
now LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Shaq, and Kobe, you play with those guys, yeah, you got a couple of rings. You play with Isaiah Thomas and the Bad Boys, you have a couple of rings. But here's a formula I like to discuss. Hmm. Three players playing at an elite level make you a championship contender. You have two all-stars playing at a high level, you're a contender. You have one all-star, you could be a playoff team. And that's what Chris Paul has fell into. Now he has Blake Griffin. Maybe DeAndre Jordan takes the next step. Maybe he gets to the finals this year. I remember Ed Barkley in my podcast once, and he was saying, game two of the 93 finals, he's playing the best basketball of his life. He's going against Jordan. I think it was game two. And he plays as well as he can play, and MJ was just, you know, two ounces better. And he went home, and his daughter asked him what happened. He basically said, guys, just this much better than me. But it didn't mean that he wasn't a great player. He just had bad timing. He comes along a year later, they win the title. Absolutely, and I just think that's where we have to be more sophisticated when we're analyzing players. It's, uh, if you had a major impact like Jordan winning those six, I mean, that's incredible. You know, three in a row twice. What Shaq and, and Kobe did together, and then Kobe doing it with Powell and Bynum, that's incredible. Um, but a lot of guys could been could have been the interchangeable yeah, person. Yeah, they could have been the interchangeable So we had a fifth person, but we have to skimp over him because of lack of time, Rajon Rondo, who we don't know what team he's going to end up. Can we at least show the animation montage of where we think he's going to end up? he got to team up oh. with this guy from Oak Hill. It's, it looks like the trade machine is sending him on a train. Look at his Connect 4 he, box. He loves that Play game. The Celtics are saying goodbye to him. He Jay should be running. Why next. is he not running? Yeah. Now he's, Run, he's Rajon! He won a title in Boston. He feels sad. He doesn't want to leave. <laughs> anyway, we think he's going to be intriguing. That's it for the most intriguing bit. We pulled off a segment. We didn't really mention LeBron James at all. Jeff Ingundy, thank you. Thank you. We'll be back. Coming up, the legacy of the legacy of LeBron's legacy. We're back. Say hello to Grant Lynch, lead NBA ready. Get low. We're going to talk about the legacy of the legacy of LeBron's legacy because ESPN loves talking about LeBron's legacy. <laughs> this is the legacy of the legacy of the legacy. Zach, does this have a chance to be the best offensive team he's ever been on? I mean, it's a high bar, right? The Miami team that first won the title is the best offensive team in the league, but to me, they absolutely do. Everything that Miami took two years to build, all the three-point shooting around LeBron so he can post up and drive as much as he wants, all the side-to-side action, all the ball handlers that are ready to attack as soon as they catch the ball, Cleveland walks right into that. There's going to be a learning curve. they got a brand-new coach, David Blatt, brand-new group of players. But I think by the end of the season, this has a chance to be the best offensive team he's ever had. And you love David Blatt. I mean, look, we've got to figure out how he adapts to the NBA, but you watch tape. You were of- studying his Israel oh. professional league what tapes. Else am I, what else am I going to study? That's all I got. That's all, all I got. That's a mad scientist. <laughs> got a white wig. Uh, Jalen, would you rather, if you're LeBron, would you rather play? All right, David Blatt, mad scientist, go away. That's it. Um, would you have rather played, if you're LeBron James, with 2011 versions of Wade and Bosch? or 2011, 14-15 versions of Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving? That's a tough question because the only two people that average basically 24 and 10 the last 10 seasons are Bosch and Kevin Love. But the tipping point is Kyrie Irving. So I would have to say this year's group because they fall right into their natural positions. He's already an all-star point guard. That was the all-star game MVP, FIBA MVP. He's really good. Kevin Love puts up video game numbers, is a stretch four that can play in the paint. This is going to be tailor-made for LeBron James to be the type of player that tries to go for a triple-double every night. 
I think the best way to describe Kyrie with LeBron is remember like once a month Mario Chalmers would have a good game? When they weren't yelling at him? Yeah. He'd make a few threes. He'd be like, hey, is Mario Chalmers good? And then he'd go like 0 for 8 the next game. Kyrie's going to have that game like 30 times. And I also think Kevin Love and LeBron together, I think this is the best pairing that he's had. Like Wade is great. 2011 Wade was one of the best three players in the league and is the best player he's ever going to play against. Kevin Love's the best rebounder he's ever played with. He's the best outlet passer. And we both like Bosch as a pick-and-pop guy, but Kevin Love's a better pick-and-pop guy than Bosch, right? The, the fit is cleaner with this group because they had to turn Bosch into a three-point shooting pick-and-pop guy. Kevin Love is. Just a LeBron, Kevin Love pick-and-roll is death for a defense. But I'm going to defend the 2011 Miami Heat. Go ahead. And, and they pick, lost. And pick that. So they lost. They were two, up 2-1 two in the finals. Everyone likes, acts like That's they were a, a colossal failure. <laughs> they almost won the championship. Look, uh, Kyrie and Kevin Love, how many playoff games have they played? Oh, they've, they've played a whopping zero. Zero playoff yeah. games. They've played zero minutes of meaningful, good NBA defense, period. Yes. Same for Deion Waiters. 2011, Wade, we think of Wade now as this guy who's running on fumes at the end of every season. That guy was the best player in that finals against Dallas. He was a beast. Bosh was a beast. Those guys get the slight edge. The fit, though, like Jalen says, is cleaner. And by the end, I think this group will be better. But you can't underestimate the rebound. And Kevin Love basically averages two times more rebounds than Chris Bosh. And now LeBron James has a guy that's going to get the rebound, someone else get the outlet, and he actually gets to play like a small forward on the break. Three on twos, twos on ones. And he went to Miami, and he learned from resident puppeteer Pat Riley, from champion Dwayne Wade. Now he comes home. The Miami Mafia. Yes, indeed. He's the resident Don now. Oh, he spun off his own family. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, wow. No question about it. Look at this. Sean Marion, Mike Miller, James Jones. Watch out for Ray Allen. Why does he have a cat? It's like Mafia bosses have white cats. That's what the Godfather does. Oh, that's cat's owner Dan Gilbert. He forgave the letter. Kiss the ring. The maturation process, he understood he had some transgressions, and Wild Snap, uh, uh, Gilbert probably wrote the letter, how he did his Cavs fans on the national stage. So now he's in his comfort zone as a champion. He's ready to lead those young players. And, you know, I just think Kevin Love is really, really, really good at basketball. And it's a weird thing to say. It sounds like common sense, but I don't think a lot of people Top watch seven. Minnesota. No. That guy is a phenomenal offensive player. And the thing I'm most excited about, just from a day-to-day watching this team, Kevin Love about to get the rebound. LeBron with his crazy hoops IQ, sensing that Love's going to get the rebound. Yeah. Already taken off, like Terrell Owens in 2004. And then Love just getting it, doing the quick flip. And I, I think LeBron's going to get six easy baskets a game well, just the, from playing with him. The rebounding is huge because, look, for Miami to get the spacing and shooting they needed, they went small. They had little guys playing power forward and Bosch playing center, and they couldn't bang with the Bulls and the big Wizards and, and teams like that. This team has that spacing with Kevin Love and Anderson Verjao or Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. They don't need to go small. And to me, that, that concern, I know you're worried about how they'll do against a, a ferocious rebounding team like Chicago, but to me, the biggest difference is they should be a really good rebounding team. And if you clean the defensive glass, that's like step one to being an acceptable defense, and they should have that covered. Miami never could. They always got killed on the boards. What about a LeBron mentally that doesn't have to live up to the mantle of winning not five, not six, not seven. He could be James Ingram back home just once. That's James all, Ingram. That's, that's all he has American to do. Virgin call just out. win it one time, and the fans are not only adore him like they do already, but he's a god. Absolutely. I have an unpopular opinion. I, I, the homecoming story is fantastic. Everybody bought into it. He had the SI letter. It's great. He's coming home. He did the commercials. I think this was about basketball for him. I think the homecoming thing was a nice supplemental piece. 
I, wa- I was in the arena for those Spurs games, and by game five, he had a look on his face like, I can't win with these guys. It's not going to happen here. I need to find a better basketball situation. And I think that's what he did. I really do. So you're saying he's holding it against Wade, that he got cramps in the game, but he didn't have one of those blue tiles from the infomercial. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, yeah, with his teammate. He did this. Uh, bold prediction quickly. My bold <laughs> prediction for this Cavs team, I think they have a chance to go 40-1 at home, which would be tie the 86 Celtics. It wasn't like that. They were 39-2 and in 2009 with a much worse team, and I think these games are going to be like a religious experience. What do you think for a bold prediction? Bold prediction, I think this Cleveland team with another guy who they might add at the trade deadline or whatever and a little bit of Ray seasoning. Allen. Could be Ray Allen. The Mafia Dynamite add Ray <laughs> Allen. Uh, could be the best offensive team in NBA history. They could, they could pass the most efficient offensive teams ever. One big reason why, again, rebounding. Most of the best offenses in the last five or ten years, they punt offensive rebounding. They want to get back on defense. Miami, San Antonio, they don't care about offensive rebounding. This team is going to be a beast in getting second-chance points. My bold prediction is if they don't dominate that colored area of the floor during the playoffs, with Kevin Love having somebody to play consistently alongside, whether it's Tristan Thompson, I know Hayward's going to be getting some minutes at that big position. Um, Verajal's going to be getting some minutes. They got to go against the Bulls. Noah, all NBA first team. Taj Gibson is as tough as they come and can finish around the hoop. Miritich can score. Okay, and Gosol averaged 17 last year. Those big fellas are going to be a problem come playoff time. And also the Wizards are going to try to rough them up too. And now I'm really interested to see if the Cavs can handle that kind of physical basketball. I think that's one way the teams are going to beat them. You, you love the Wizards. You're all in on the <laughs> Wizards. I well, but they have Paul Pierce. I love Paul Pierce. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> the last, truth. Last, oh, I guess we're out. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll Coming be up, back. the Grantland Basketball Hour mailbag. So if you ever read my column on Grantland.com, one of my favorite columns to write is the mailbag. Because the readers do half the work for it. So we thought we'd have <laughs> the readers do some of the work for us here. It's mailbag time. Jalen, born ready in Charlotte, writes, Why isn't it a bigger deal that the Hornets stole me from Indiana for $9 million per year? You did lead the league in triple doubles, but unfortunately you played on the team that already pays over $8 million to George Hill, Roy Hibbert, David West, and unfortunately to Paul George right now, who's recovering from an injury. They're not going into luxury tax territory. And also, that Bobby Schmurda video you did this summer, for somebody that was in Indiana almost six years, your phone would have been ringing when you shot that one. Zach, you and I are opposed. Yeah, on Char- for- I think Charlotte's better than you do. Forget Indiana. This is about Whoa, Charlotte. Hey. Forget Indiana. This is a home run for Charlotte. This guy's like a five. It's like in baseball, they have five tool players. This guy can shoot a little bit. Pass, dribble, play defense. Guys that good at age 23 when he became a free agent, they don't become available. This is exactly the kind of guy, Charlotte, who's not going to get a Durant or a LeBron or a Love. This is exactly the kind of guy they got to take a chance on. I thought it was a steal, especially it's like a million dollar a year more than what Channing Fry got. Hey, we have more emails from people that didn't actually write them. Uh, <laughs> Dwight Howard in Houston writes, be honest. Is it fun to oh, watch me play wrong. basketball? <laughs> Why is Dwight so worried about this? Dwight's fun to watch. Look, do you like defense? Defense is important in the NBA. Watch some of those uh, late Portland possessions in the first round, the possessions where Harden and Parsons were not screwing up. Dwight is like Orlando Dwight, darting from the foul line, swatting shots off the backboard. His post-up game is not graceful, okay? In the right matchup, it can work. He just needs to dunk on the pick-and-roll and play defense. And, yeah, he's fun to watch. Dwight's for the kids. Seems. Oh. Dances, has a big smile, has fun out there on the basketball court. Run, for the kids. jump, dunk, 
block shots. He rebounds. Yes, he has to go to the next level with the Houston Rockets and show that they can be a strong contender in the West. But he did take an Orlando Magic team that was really nondescript to the NBA Finals. I've had season tickets for 11 years. Never once have I said the words, oh, good, Dwight Howard's in town tonight. (laughs) Great player. Never said those words. Hey, this question's for me. Who's the next NBA MVP after LeBron and KD are finished passing the trophy back and forth? Written by the brow in New Orleans. Have you guys figured out yet that these guys aren't actually writing these questions? I think if I had to bet money on anyone, I would bet on Davis. I just think he's the most talented. Actually, if I had a billion dollars, I would be trying to buy the uh, Pelicans right now because I'd want to be the, the guy who owned the team that had Anthony Davis on it. If it's not him, who else would it be, Zach? Well, first of all, it's going to be him. The guy's a destroyer of worlds. But the stealth, the stealth MVP candidate for me is Steph Curry, right? He's the only mm-hmm. surefire all-star on a team that I think has the best chance of everyone below Clippers, Thunder, Spurs, and the West of, like, budding into that group. So he's my stealth candidate. My stealth candidate is in the Western Conference. I think they're the second-best team overall in the West. His name is Blake Griffin. Here's a guy that's basically 20 and 10 each year. Last year he was 24 and 9. High field goal percentage, underrated passer. He's going to get out on the break and make spectacular plays, and he's playing on a terrific team that's going to win a lot of games. Got my third place vote last year. All right, I'm excited for this next one. Lottery reform, schmottery reform. Please tell everyone in America we're going to keep tanking our little tank of Palooza buns off. I don't even have a question. Here's an internal losing. Sixers GM Sam Hankey. I, I can't believe he wrote that. It's crazy. <laughs> That's courageous to just shove it in Adam Silver's face. I can picture him with like holding a glass of champagne <laughs> right in that. Look, it's great for them. This is perfect. Lottery reform got pushed off for probably a while. The league is not going to give up. But I think there was a sense that they were rushing to make a change midstream when a, a set of rules that had already existed. During a season. You can't During a season. And all these trades of draft picks are already on the books. I think there was a sense it wasn't fair. They'll revisit it. They may change it. And guess what? Philly by then, instead of being like abysmally horrible, might just be run-of-the-mill bad. They're like eighth or ninth in the lottery, and they win. That's the, then he'll be like in a champagne bath if that happens. D- Doug Collins spent 12 of his years in Philadelphia, whether coaching or playing. He almost shed a tear watching this team. Okay, they can now sell tickets to two rolls at one of their games for like $100 total. That becomes a mockery for the league. This is the biggest Sixers crowd probably of the season right here in our studio. (laughs) No doubt about it. You draft Nerlens, you draft Joel Embiid. Joel is trolling on Twitter. Hopefully he stops that. He's going to be a monster. Michael Kill, the young fellow. Michael Michael Carter Williams. Williams. That's what happens when you're in the lineup. So those are the three guys. If those guys are able to turn into all-star caliber players, then all of this makes it worth it. In 2018, it's going to happen. So talk to me when they get to 41 wins. All right, this one's for you, Jalen. By the way, I think the rules are disgusting. We need to fix them. Uh, If you could describe any upcoming Lakers season with any 1990s rap song, what would it be? It's almost like we tailored this question for your specific interest. (laughs) Kobe. That's hilarious. So... I hate to see first ballot Hall of Famers like KG the big ticket and with the Nets. That's going to be a nondescript possible non-playoff team. And Kobe with the Lakers. He's going to probably be the great bomber after this year watching this team play oh. defense. So the record is if you want a 17th championship, if you want a sixth title to tie Michael Jordan, not going to be able to do it. <laughs> That's my 90s record. The double X posse making an appearance. Oh, I mean, everybody knew that was going to happen. Awesome. I'm going to go quickly over this next one. Simmons, do you really think I'm winning rookie of the year? 
Alfred in Orlando. Look, he's so humble he didn't put his last name in the in the question. Yes, I think this is the rookie of the year. I, I love everything I'm reading about him. Reminds me of two years ago, a guy or three years ago, a guy by the name of Russell Wilson in Seattle. You read the stories about the players, the teammates, the coaches, all the just talking about how good he looks, what a special person he is. Getting that vibe from Alfred in Orlando. You guys disagree though. Jabari Parker will lead all rookies in minutes and points. That's my choice against the entire field. It's Jabari. It's got to be Jabari. He's going to get all the shots he wants. I think this could be a real exciting draft class with him and Julius Randle, my boy Yusuf Nurkic in Denver. It's going to be fun. Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic. I'm all in on Yusuf Nurkic. He had like a 15-rebound game a in the preseason. Monster. All right, last question. This is for all of us. Uh, if and when Josh Smith makes my head explode during a game, what's the rule? Will the rest of the game get canceled? Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. So, um, <laughs> it's... I, I, I wish we just had animation to sh- Oh, here. Oh, boy. So this is what we're worried might happen. See, the blood's going into his head. Oh, boy. And it's at, oh, he doesn't like these threes by Josh Smith. It's getting worse. Oh, no. Oh. He's oh. still got, like, eight more shots to take. Look at that. Oh, there. oh no. He said, Josh, stop shooting. Um, I, I think they would have to cancel the game if his head exploded from Josh Smith. I hope we don't see that, though. The two highest win percentage coaches... In the NBA currently, they haven't won championships. Tibbs in Chicago, 65%. You got um, Van Gundy in Detroit, 64%. He's an amazing coach. And he's also the president of basketball operations. That means that person is going to be on the same page with management. And he's going to make the quality moves he thinks it takes to improve the roster. And we all think Detroit's a playoff sleeper, at least to like maybe sneak yeah. in and be better than people. The think. real Stan is too smart to send that email. The real Stan knows that Josh Smith has to play power forward. He can't play his three big guys together. They had like a thousand minutes of data last year showing that was a disaster. And they kept on doing it. He's, I mean, like, he's not going to do that. Well, next time we might actually use real emails. <laughs> we had to make a couple of those up, maybe all of them. Zach Lowe, thank you. We'll be back. Hello. Clippers coach Doc Rivers. All right. The famous guest, Doc Rivers. 2008 world champion. Current Clipper coach. It's nice. Yeah, we like the uh, 2008 thing. You can say that again if you we want. We put the posters over there somewhere. So I was, I was looking at your career. A lot of what-ifs for you. Hold oh, on, go ahead. First, Excuse uh, me. Have you, have you guys made up? I know you have oh, to yeah, say some words. Wilbon we'll squashed it. All right. We good? Okay. Do I got to be Mills Lane? We, we, we had a campfire. We sang together. Okay, yeah, it's good. Right, we made good marshmallows. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> so your career, a lot of what-ifs. You missed the 94 finals. Yeah. Grant Hill, 2009 KG. 2010 Perkins. Last year, the Donald Sterling thing just derails what I thought had a team that had a chance to, to make the finals. Do you yeah. consider that a what if? Yeah, I try not to last year um, because I want, I want to do two things. I want to give Oklahoma respect. They beat us. Um, and we just were not ready yet, you know. Uh, we had our chances in that series. Uh, obviously in game five uh, and game six. You know, people forget about that. So, you try to give the opponent the respect. If they beat you, they deserve to win. Um, and so you have to give Oklahoma that. Um, and you, you go back as a coach, at least, and, and think of all the things you didn't do to not win. And to me, in that series, we did too many things uh, to not win game five and game six. And it's not 
the one thing, you know, I think everyone looks at the, the Chris Paul turnover. And they don't look at all the other things we did. Uh, transition Sloppy stuff, D, yeah. Uh, coming out of a timeout, not fouling. We we're supposed to foul Durant. Uh, There's so many little things that, that adds up to a loss um, that you don't deserve it. I think the winners always deserve it, and we didn't deserve it. I don't want to rehash the Sterling stuff because it's over, but was there ever a point there in that, those two rounds where your head felt like it was going to explode? You're doing all this stuff for the team. Yeah. You're keeping the franchise together behind the scenes. Was there a moment where you're just like, oh, my God, this is too much? Well, the Golden State, Game 5 uh, and Game 7, those were very hard. You know, when you're, you know, landing at whatever time and driving back to the uh, downtown arena at 8 or 9 in the morning because you have employees um, downtown who are ready to walk, right. you know, and you're the guy left because everyone else in the organization is gone. Uh, to, to try to convince them on game day. You know, you're usually at the arena or, you know, looking at film at the right. practice facility. Uh, those, were, that, those were tough times, you know. Um, didn't really feel bad for myself or anything in that. I just thought, you know, I'm here. It's time. We got to get through this. Um, and, I, and, I, and like I told the employees, I thought if we can get through this, it's, it's a moment of growth for this organization. We've been in L.A. for 30 years and done nothing. Yep. And we have a chance now. Um, to prove that, that we are somebody and, and can grow from it. And that's the way I tried to view it. Blake Griffin, one of the top players in the league. Yes. He's talking about retaliating now to a lot of people that have taken cheap shots at him. Have you talked to him about that, and what are your thought process on that? Well, I can't say much. <laughs> <laughs> because a player like me, he might go up for a jump shot. I might stick my foot underneath him he gets try to get him irritated. Listen, you know, him, Shaq, Dwight Howard, uh, they get pounded. Now, they give poundings, too. Uh, but there are a lot of cheap shots at Blake. You know, they're trying to take them out of the air. Guys don't want to get posterized. And so the way they dealt with it is they're, they're doing things that they shouldn't do. I don't want them to retaliate. I can say that. Um, but, you know, you look at, at some point, you know, uh, someone has to do something. And I hope it's, it's not him. I hope the league take care, take care of it and we don't have to deal with it. Well, the good news is there's no footage of you on YouTube at all. Where you retaliated, <laughs> I retaliated on a cheap shot. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, 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 hold on. Oh, here comes cheap shot. Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento. Oh, you didn't like that. Yeah. The, the, Come back. What are you living? A sprint. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yes. And then Greg Anthony gets in on street clothes. This would yeah. be like a 130-game suspension now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Back, we were allowed to do that. That was yeah. legal. Yes. That was, that no was one legal. got ejected or anything. It was like hockey. You know, <laughs> they break it up and then you can play basketball. It's funny. Video is killing coaches that play. It, it really is. I can't In what sense? Well, I can't tell players how good I wasn't because I, <laughs> you know, I try to tell them I was a good player and then they, they'll – you know, show video. Right. I, I, I tried last year to tell guys, hey, you never want to fight. And we're in the middle of a film session. The players, <laughs> are, they have this and two other ones on. So, you know, where do you go from there? So now I'm saying don't do as I did. You know, well, do you, as I said. You kind of almost maybe were thinking about getting in a fight with Jermaine O'Neal in that Warriors series. A little bit. It was there. It was, I was, my seats were right behind. You were like, ah, yeah, I'm pulling the, Al Adels on this guy. It was the old. The old doc. I'm a new guy, you know. L.A. guy. I, I do I do meditation now. I've heard you've embraced L.A. I, I, I heard you've renounced Chicago and Boston, and you're an L.A. guy now. Well, I, I renounced the Chicago and Boston weather. 
<laughs> I did that 12 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not the cities, but the weather for sure. Coach, I'm old enough to remember the who's better between Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan arguments. And he was a terrific athlete. Well, yeah. Now you coach Blake Griffin. Can you compare those two athletically? And also, who would you rather hang with when the game's over? Uh-oh. Well, I'm hanging with Dominique. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Well, you know, that's, yeah. that's his idol. Yeah. Dominique was on a whole nother level after the game. I think we, <laughs> we all know that. Uh, but, boy, that's a good one. I haven't heard the uh, comparison because of different positions. Um, Blake is, is more powerful. Like, Dominique, uh, he did the showdown in the game as, as well as Blake. Uh, but Blake is Blake is so powerful. I think it's 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 still underestimated how strong and powerful he is. I've been lucky enough to see both of those guys in person multiple times. Dominique was the most exciting in-game dunker I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen somebody who actually went out of his way to dunk on people. Like well, I, really, like yeah. just trying to figure out where players. I've were seen so him do a game-winning dunk. You know, <laughs> right. How many people can say they've seen a game-winning showdown? In the middle, at the end of a game. On the right side against Milwaukee. Against Milwaukee. Baseline, double yeah. pump, backwards. That was a dunk he could have done in the dunk contest, and he did it to win the game at the buzzer. Wow. I mean, who does that stuff? Last question. A lot of uh, media idiots like myself are picking the Clippers to make the finals. I have the Clippers' Cavs. Um, you'd much rather, I'm guessing, be the nobody-believes-in-us team than the everybody-believes-in-us team. Talk me out of you winning the, making the finals. I, I will not. Uh, <laughs> All right. No, there you go. No, no I will not. I, I think, uh, listen, the, the, the Spurs are the favorites. There's, we, they have to be, you know. And then Oklahoma's probably after them, and then we fall in line there. Uh, but it's, it's, in my mind, it, it is time for us. But it's time for a lot of teams in the West. Uh, Jaylen, but I'm believe? not running from that at all. Uh, and I don't want our players to run from that. But I don't want that to consume them. I want them to th- embrace the, the, you know, the mission. Right. Uh, but listen, it's hard. And there's, I don't know if I've ever been in a conference that you can say, honestly, eight teams think they can win the, the, the West. And, and, and that's, that's hard. Um, having said that, if we can get through it, it it'll sure make us better. So we learned that we think the Clippers can make the finals, that Doc likes to retaliate, that Doc doesn't mind being the favorites, and that you'd want to go out with Dominique Wilkins. Doc Rivers, thank you so much. Coming up, more people talking about basketball. NBA champion, Michelle Beadle. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Khaleesi of the NBA. Thank you so much. Macho means music, game of... I don't know what to do right now. Here's the deal, boys. Um, it's been adorable, all this talk you guys have been doing from the last hour about you know, the Cavaliers and Clippers. Very cute. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they are now the reigning champs, and at the end of this next coming season, they will finally do what they've never been able to do before. Oh. But win two championships. A back-to-back. Back. Yeah. A repeat. No, no, no. I'm calling it right now, right not here. Not four, not five, but six. Let's do six. And you want to know why? Because while everybody else is shuffling pieces around in a desperate attempt to be the greatest... They just brought everybody back and added one rookie. You're welcome. 
You're not. <laughs> you're not worried. Last year, everything went perfectly. You redeemed the, the one of the worst losses in NBA history. Yep. You win the title. You win the title at home. And let's be honest, you murder basketball in Miami. You killed basketball in Miami. LeBron left. Yeah. How do you top that? Well, it's, you know, it's not even that you're going to top it, because let's be honest, crushing that team in Game 5 like the Spurs did was one of the greatest moments in the history of the NBA to watch a team be dismantled in the way that they were dismantled. I mean, you kicked that guy Stop out of the Stop up to her. Yeah, no. Keep, <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. Top it. I mean, look, they, they obviously had that bad taste in their mouths and they went back and they got retribution, but they're also sick and tired of being called old. Is this, they've been called old for six oh, years. Spurs fans are all sick and tired. <laughs> Jalen, what do you think? So, five, so five-time champion, you guys bar back Boris Diaw and uh-huh. other players. You mm-hmm. have a weight clause in this contract. Mm, so we, do, we all do, Jalen. We all have a weight clause. <laughs> so do you, do you worry that he may become a stretch mark for Really? Uh. I don't. I don't worry. Look, I think people worry that you just won so you'll get lazy, but he knows what he's a part of. This is one of the greatest teams ever put together. One of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach. I don't care if you say Phil Jackson. Uh, And it's, you know, Kawhi Leonard is the future, and I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. So you think the Spurs fans will stay hungry? Always stay hungry. San Antonio, (laughs) Um, baby, we're always hungry. Listen, (laughs) you deserve it. You get to close the show. You're a champion. You're a great host. Go ahead. Thank you. Close the show for us. I want to thank everyone for watching the Grantland Battle. Basketball Hour, Bill Simmons, Jane Rose, I'm Michelle Beadle. Yeah. Yeah.